Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio, T-Mobile suffered a setback in its bid for regulatory approval of its takeover of Sprint after failing to win over the Justice Department with a remedy package, putting pressure on the companies to offer more concessions. Joining me is Jennifer Ree, Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Litigation Analyst. Jen, how significant is this setback? Well, you know, we don't know yet. It could be significant because obviously it, the big there are two big hurdles here, FCC and DOJ. And even if they got FCC, if they don't get DOJ, it doesn't matter. You know, they can't close the deal. And we don't know exactly what the DOJ's issue is. If it's that they simply need a little bit more than what was offered FCC and it's something that T-Mobile and Sprint can do, they may still be able to get DOJ approval and go forward with this deal, assuming that the state attorneys general don't also stand in their way. But if they have problems that extend beyond what the parties are, are willing to do, such as, you know, a, a much greater package uh, divested that maybe becomes economically unviable for T-Mobile to, to go ahead and go forward with, then it could be a big problem. And so just to be clear, the deal cleared the hurdle of the FCC after the companies offered a package of concessions. Explain why and how the concerns of the FCC mm -hmm. differ from those of the Justice Department. Well, first I should say it hasn't formally, formally, formally sorry, cleared the FCC. It looks like it will. They just need a vote of three out of five commissioners, and three have already said that they're behind it. So it will be adopted by the commission. There's a real difference in the standards that the two agencies use. Um, to evaluate a deal like this. What the Federal Communications does is they ask whether the deal is in the public interest, and they, it's a pretty flexible standard, and they can consider a lot of aspects of the deal, including some of these promises that the companies have made to them, like expanding in rural areas and, and getting into 5G across the country and in rural areas, the divestiture, and also promising to keep their prices low uh, for three years. They can consider those sorts of things and, and think about what it will bring to the communications markets, whereas the Department of Justice has a little bit of a more narrow standard and it's based in economics. All they're doing is asking whether the deal could potentially have an anti-competitive effect in a market that they defined, market or markets, and this usually means could it increase prices, could it reduce output, reduce innovation, or reduce choice. When this deal was first announced, it seemed to be uphill because you're combining the number three and number four wireless carriers. You're leaving just three national players. How can that not hurt competition? I'm surprised they've gotten this far. You know, I think everybody's knee-jerk reaction, including mine, was to say, really, they're going to try this again. Because if you remember, this deal or a right. similar deal was attempted in the past, and, and they couldn't get it through, get it across the line. But the issue is that they're going to look a lot deeper into whether it's just a four to three. They're going to look at all of the facts. So they're going to ask first, what are the markets? What are the market shares? What are the concentrations in those markets if we allow the merger to go through? And what are the pro-competitive consumer benefits that could come out of this if we let the merger go forward? And within the Department of Justice's guidelines, it says that even if a deal has the potential for anti-competitive effects, i.e. a price increase, if there are extremely strong and, and very identifiable merger-specific efficiencies that will bring consumer benefits, and those could outweigh this potential for anti-competitive effects, the Department of Justice can still clear that deal. So these are the kinds of things that they dig into when they investigate for a year, and they look at this. And this is why just the, the question of a four to three, how could it go through, that's why it goes beyond that. Now, suppose the Justice Department decides it wants to block the merger. It, it's going to go to a judge to try to block it. Will the fact that the FCC has approved 
the merger make a difference there? You know, I think it certainly will because the FCC literally is saying affirmatively, we think this deal is in the public interest. We think it's a positive, a good thing for people. So the Department of Justice is going to have to explain that away. Now, as I said, they do have different standards and they look at these deals very differently. And they have come out differently in the past in, in terms of how they've evaluated a deal and what that deal's effect will be. So I think, you know, it's a little bump for the Department of Justice in court, but, but it doesn't mean that they would automatically lose. Now, as you mentioned, states' attorneys general, they've signaled, more than a dozen have signaled that they may block the deal, try to block the deal, even if the Justice Department clears it. What would that look like? So the states, just like the Department of Justice, can go to court under the same exact statute that the Department of Justice uses to seek to block a deal. But, you know, in this case, most of the states, at least what's been reported, is that their issue is primarily in the segment for prepaid consumers. And this is an area where the companies have made a lot of promises to the Federal Communications Commission, including selling off a brand. And it may be that given the promises made to the FCC, the states, at least some of them, back off and are willing to accept that. I suspect that what the states will do is agitate a little bit more to try to get something more for their state or something very specific to their state, like ensuring you're going to cover a certain percentage of the rural consumers in my state. And if they can get something like that, I would think that they wouldn't sue. Is there any timeline here, or the DOJ just takes its time? The DOJ probably has a timing agreement with the companies. They do have a statutory timeline, which is normally 30 days after the parties have finished, complied with a second request. Now, that probably happened months and months and months ago. And so what that means is they have a timing agreement with the companies. The companies have not uh, said what that timing agreement says. So we don't know if they have an agreement, when that agreement ends, or if that agreement is open-ended. So it's a little bit unclear. But I suspect they're probably going to say something fairly soon given the FCC's announcement. Just briefly, because we only have a minute here, uh, the upcoming hearing on the CVS Aetna matter, where does that stand? You know, that's a really interesting uh, case in the world of antitrust law because this judge is allowing testimony at that three-day hearing on the, the harm that could potentially be caused by the deal. And really, that kind of hearing is meant to just ask whether the remedy fixes the harm identified by the DOJ in their complaint. But what the judge is doing there is asking, well, did they identify the right harm? And that's really going to be interesting to see what happens. It's, it's quite unprecedented, June. So we will be talking to you about that coming up. That's Jennifer Reed, Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Litigation Analyst. For more of Jen's analysis, go to BIGO on the Bloomberg Terminal.